Welcome to Ona Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal. We show up ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher. And I'm Carrie Poppy. And we are back for the final installation of Eck. Eck and Car. We had one final day, or morning at least, of our Eck and Car conference mm-hmm. in Minnesota. Minnesota. Minneapolis. Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> Not Chanhassen. Nope. Where you'd think it would be. At the temple. So, yeah, we went back this morning. I have to say, coming into that big hall was the most creepy moment of Ekinkar for me. Whoa, why? Got here a little after nine o'clock and they were singing the hue uh-huh. toward the end of the hue. And there was just this gauntlet of volunteers standing around guiding me towards the back. Okay. Of the room. I'm walking into this giant room again, and everybody's singing, and they mostly got their eyes closed. And there's just so many people standing up, pointing me where to go. Huh. And it just felt so creepy. Huh, weird. There's something about being directed and guided oh, and yeah, sort of yeah. managed. And then there's the like monotonous chanting going on as well. Yeah, and, and they clearly just had so many volunteers uh-huh. They had Too many volunteers. More for than sure. they needed. Yeah. yeah. And just flanked on either side by all of these volunteers kind of smiling at me and pointing this uh, way. Yes, yes, yes. You you get to sit over here. Did you see Midsommar? No, not oh, yet. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, how many times have you seen it now? I've only seen it twice. I was gonna see it a third time. And then I was like, you know, I don't think I need to do this because <laughs> it was three times in five days. And I was like, I think I might just be committing to a bit at this point okay. more than needing to see it a third time in five days. So I canceled that plan. But now I'm like, well, I want to see Midsommar again. Why didn't I go? We're thinking about showing again. it at work. I, <gasps> oh, I, let me know. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely let you know if we uh, if we see it there. It's so good, you guys. It's so good. Okay. I'm not a big fan of scary films, and, oh. and it'll kind of get in my head. Like, I'm oh. I'm nervous about seeing Midsommar oh. just because I'm afraid it's going to be scary. And yet, when I actually sit down and watch it, it doesn't affect me that much. I don't know what it is, oh, but interesting. The, anticipation the anticipation freaks me out more than the actual films do. What's the scariest movie like, you've seen? The same director made Hereditary, right? Yes. And I put off watching. I, that was on my Netflix DVD queue, and it sat there for two months oh, wow. before I finally watched it. And I was like, eh, that was such a nothing burger film. What? Hereditary. Oh, my God. I loved it. Uh, I loved it. And as I was walking home from it through Hollywood in the dark with my friend Abe, I was like screaming at every sound. It had some smart ideas and constructions, but it just felt so, I don't know, forced to me. Like it was trying to do too many things at once. Whoa. And it just came across as kind of a confused mixture from it. So it wasn't scary at all. It didn't hit my scary button. Oh, wow. And I had myself so worked up like, oh, no, this is messed up. I've heard from so many people mm-hmm. that this is wrong. This film is just wrong. I watched that movie after I saw it in the theater. I also rented it and watched it with our mutual friend, Jordan Morris. Oh, yeah. And the whole time he was like, this is so scary. This is such a scary movie, like throughout it. And then when he left and went home, he texted me, I'm going to sleep with all the lights on. <laughs> and still, he'll be, if I mention Hereditary, he's like, don't talk about that movie. The movie's so scary. I, I can't 
think of the last time a film did that to me. Uh, and yeah. yet and yet I get nervous about seeing them. One thing I refuse to watch now are like the torture porn kind of films. Oh, yeah. And uh, I used to go see scary films with my friend Charles mm-hmm. every now and then. And there were two back to back. We saw House of a Thousand Corpses by that. Rob Zombie. And then The Hills Have Eyes 2. And both of those played on how normally you expect certain people to die. They set it up so Uh, you don't like that person. uh, They die. But both of these killed people that you didn't want to die. Okay. And I just realized like I was having to turn off that emotion chip. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to get through the experience. And then it feels a little manipulative. Why would I ever do this to myself? So I kind of swore off of those types of film after that. That's kind of how I felt about Mother. Oh, interesting. The Darren Aronofsky film. Maybe the worst I've ever felt watching a movie. That was so frustrating. Frustrating. Oh my god. What it a frustrating movie. So awful. And it plays on like the biological maternal instinct mm-hmm. in such a hard, hard way that like I just kept thinking of Ella the whole time as all this horrible stuff was happening to her child. And oh my god. Oh jeez. Unbearable. Well, this has been our movie review podcast. <laughs> Hope you enjoy that. Uh, Midsummer. I'm looking forward to it's it. It's very good. So, okay. So you walk in. <laughs> it was creepy. <laughs> and it was scary. Okay, yeah. go on. So I sat down and joined in on the rest of the hue. I don't know. Were we sitting next to each other that morning? I don't no, think we so. No, we weren't because we were texting each other. I, I didn't think so because I'd written in my notes that they shut down the metal detectors right after me. So I think I was the last person to enter. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, and that didn't help the creepiness either that I'd just gone through metal detectors and then I'm being shepherded around no, by sure. way too many people. And by yourself? Wearing suits. Weren't they wearing like those sashes, like the yellow sashes? Yeah, like a Miss America type. Yeah, sash. Or votes for women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of those. <laughs> Except they just say Ekinkar, welcome. Right. Anyway, so at some point they did get started. There were musical performances, a girl telling a story. But the first thing that really stood out to me was our MC mm-hmm. for the festivities, Scott Shute. So he looked like he had stepped out of the 70s, right? He had bright blue eyes and close-cropped hair, and he was just such a dude. Okay. (laughs) Tell me more. And this is interesting, too, that he, I guess, is one of their more successful members. He's He didn't mention it, but he works at LinkedIn as, well, he mentioned that he works at a big company and that he's kind of a higher-level executive, and he's head of their mindfulness and compassion programs. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, sounds nice. I'm glad LinkedIn has that. But he made it pretty clear that he started this just originally as sort of a meditation class that people could join in on. But then he said, oh, but it's going to get a little deeper. Oh, okay. He'd always point that out to people. And he used this as an opportunity to put out a bunch of Hugh and Ekinkar literature Uh, and proselytize. Uh uh And I don't know if he was necessarily at LinkedIn at the time, but he seemed quite well to do if it was a transition. Well, I don't know whether he developed that program there or brought it from somewhere else, but now he has this like really big successful program. And yeah, you could just tell he's one of these guys like, you know, everything's going well for me. I'm a good looking guy. Mm -hmm. Ross is bobbing his head in satisfaction. I'm master of my own ship. Uh He's just Uh one of those guys. I got it all together and he's wearing a really nice suit. and Sleek and confident. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something about him that shouted dude uh-huh, to me. Uh-huh. I get that. I think maybe I hadn't arrived yet during this story. Oh, okay. Because the first thing I have is a woman in a red dress. 
So she said she built her own home in the forest. Oh, yeah. I remember the forest lady. Okay. <laughs> it felt very Doug Bachelor to me. Yeah. She had to get away after a bad breakup and being in the forest filled her with joy and hue. It reminded me of Doug Bachelor and it was kind of devoid of like right. time markers. His it was, time in the cave. Yes, exactly. And it, it felt kind of like a ghost of a story where like key details are kind of missing. It's like, how long did this happen? Did you just go camping? Yeah. You know. Why were you balancing on the log? Wait, why did right. the- Blanket burn up. What happened? I just feel like there was a lot going on. There's so much making hay out of a small story here that you find yourself kind of <laughs> investigating every sentence for like, are you saying that you actually like lived in the forest or are you saying you went into the forest? Because I've like, been to the forest. I feel like you're very selectively telling the story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only big thing you missed before that was a husband and wife couple okay. who said that they had met each other. Good. When <laughs> she was talking to him about her religious ideas, and he said, oh, that sounds like Ekenkar. And she said, Echo what? Oh. And that's how they met each other. They got oh, together, wow. and she no longer fears losing everything. Oh, good. Okay, great. She accidentally pulled the hair off of her dog's face. <laughs> Guys, we're reading our notes and several her, weeks after this event. This is this is dog information, so I figured you'd want to know. Oh, yeah, thank her, you. Her other dog, Yorkie, sings the hue with them. Aw. See, I thought you'd want to know that. See, that's nice, so I'm glad you wrote that down. Okay, so back to- You were uh, like, dog story early in the morning, Carrie has missed this, and she needs this. <laughs> that's right. It's like <laughs> caffeine for Carrie. So then we heard a folk ballad, right? A six-piece band. Oh, a gift wrapped in ribbons. Yes, yeah. life's a gift wrapped in ribbons. Oh, yeah. There were guitars, pianos, the same backup singer from the last night. A I don't, banjo. I, ooh, banjo. Clap, <laughs> clap, 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 clap. And a synth player. I wrote down some lines from the song. So much blessings as we dance in the air. The master is present. Sound and light. It's the year of giving. We can now sustain this love. It's all very similar to church camp music. Okay. Yeah. Afterwards, Scott came back up, our MC, and he told us that service is the reason. Ah, uh, right. <clears throat> Actually, <laughs> service is, is the, the jewel, jewel in, in the, the rock, rock of, of attainment. attainment. But love uh, is the law. Love, love under will. <laughs> but they had a little ceremony then to celebrate all the volunteers who'd brought this event together, and that was nice. So they brought them up, and we clapped. Nice. And then I think we had Maxine. Mm -hmm. She was a tall, pretty Canadian woman. And she had uh, moved to Italy and tried to start a business there and make Italy more like Canada and didn't work out for her. Got married or like went to Italy to get married maybe? Something like that. And then she finally remembered to do her exercises and she renewed her focus and she embraced teaching. She ended up as a teacher. All right. Okay, but I think this next guy was my favorite speaker. Is this Gordy? Yeah, Gordy, Gordy. Loftquist. He's from Wisconsin. What up, Wisconsin, where my mom and stepdad live? He reminded me of Steve Ballmer. I don't know how many people will get that reference, but tall, thick-bodied, bald man, mm, okay. white. I don't know. Just reminded me of Steve Ballmer, who was who the former president of Microsoft. Oh, okay. After Bill Gates. So he had rejected organized religion, or at least didn't really like it very much. And he built his own plane. We're back to Doug Batchelor stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he called it the Deus Ex Machina. So he was flying and a prop broke on his plane. Yeah. Had, and he yeah. had to down it in a field. He saw like a glowing light and that helped him. Oh, yeah. Somehow. That's right. There was a little bit of an X story within an X story. Mm -hmm. Where mm -hmm. he saw this beautiful light and that led him to this field. There you go. He also started with one of those boom lines. He said, 
Don didn't like religion. Don did not like organized religion. What was yeah, that? Who's Don? Yeah, Don didn't like religion. I wrote it down because it was one of those like very boom lines where you don't get any context before, and then that's how he starts his TED talk. Exactly. Don did not like organized religion. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Tell who's me Don? More. I can't believe you didn't give me the everybody likes organized religion. Re- organized religion. Why right. didn't Don? <laughs> Do you have his number? I'll help him. <laughs> <laughs> So then a family. Oh, that's right. So then there was a family. Mm-hmm. He lands and there's a family there yeah. and they help him. By the oat field. Yeah. And they're just bringing him stuff and they're treating him like a king and they're helping him. And there's this part that he doesn't have and it's going to ruin his chances of fixing the plane. But the guy says, no, no, I can machine this part. And he goes and makes it and it's perfect. It's just everything is amazing. Wow, wow, wow. What could he possibly do? To thank this family, Carrie. He gives them a Hugh book. He had a book on death and dying. Oh, and a huge uh, brochure. Okay. That's right. Ah, okay. Okay. A, a book p- on death and dying. That's heavy. Yeah, and it just happened to be behind the seat of his plane. And he gave this to one of the people in the family. And they said, oh, my goodness, this is exactly what I needed. These are exactly the questions uh, I've been asking. And she cried. And that's when he felt God's love. And then he started in on some like second unrelated story. Yeah. And he just had this really forceful, booming presence and voice. And I I was kind of into it. I was like, oh, this is fun and just wild. Whereas I wrote. (laughs) Carrie wrote, get off the stage. And you texted me. This made me laugh out loud. You said, this guy has dominated endless Thanksgiving dinners. Okay, now I can picture the guy. So correct. (laughs) I immediately can picture, yep. Yep. No one else gets to talk at the table. Totally. It's this guy. (laughs) And then he goes home and he's like, oh, it's just an amazing night, honey. Let me tell you about all the stories I told and all the laugh lines I delivered. (laughs) All right. All right, Don slash Gordy. Oh, yeah, he had another story where he ended up face to face with Shree Harold Klemp. Ah, okay. He like walked around the corner of a building or something and oh, face to face with Shree Harold. the flesh world. Right. Yes. We have to clarify that. Which is the Darshan. Okay. I'm glad you're, you have the mind for like keeping these words in order. (laughs) I I can't do it. A lot of words. A lot of words. So then we get a Herald message. Was Uh, this a recording? Yeah. From Feel the Love Part One. Oh yeah. I don't know where Shri Herald is most of the time during this very important only twice a year conference. Mm-hmm. He only came up for that one night to speak. Yeah, I wonder if he's usually there more, but he was he was so sick. He's certainly not sitting in the front row listening to all these talks. Yeah, definitely. Well, he doesn't need it, you know? You can just download it from above. Right, well, yeah, he knows everything they're doing and saying. Mm-hmm. He's the living Eckmaster. Exactly, he's got the rod. So in Feel the Love, he said, you often don't hear love from people, but you can show them love in everything you do. Open your heart to love. It's like a very, very simple message. Mm-hmm. What is soul? A spark of God. Oh, nice. That was one okay. of his lines that sure. felt nice. That's, that's great. I wonder as he's delivering those, if he's like, yes, I am channeling this or if They'll he's just like saying this. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a hard time imagining it coming from anywhere other than this sounds nice, but uh-huh. doesn't parse thoroughly. This will keep people busy for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Because I would have to do that if I were to say such things to a group of people. Right. And it fascinates me endlessly that someone could be just earnestly thinking, oh, yeah, what is soul? It's a spark of God. I wonder, though, like, if you do it long enough, if you start to kind of buy your own bullshit a bit, and then 
you start to be like, okay, I guess this is like, it seems so obvious to me, but it's clearly not obvious to them. It seems you would have to yeah, at some point in some way. And I think- my Unless cur- you become completely hardened, but yeah. Right. Which I feel, hmm, like my gut is L. Ron Hubbard is on that cynical <laughs> end of That's things. That's exactly what I thought of. Yeah. yeah. Like there's some people I would totally buy that they're true believers. They mm-hmm. bought into it. But L. Ron Hubbard just felt so calculated about mm-hmm. all this. Anyways, 100% agree. Yeah. I, I think my endless fascination for that particular question of what's going on in their yeah. heads uh, is what fuels kind of my love for these investigations. Yeah. That's definitely part of it. So feel the love as it's flowing through ordinary people. Okay, I will. And I, I was busy the whole time just thinking, who's going to be his successor? Yeah. We, we saw this recently in the Self-Realization Fellowship where they had to go through that process of choosing mm-hmm. a new leader. And okay, wait, I guess maybe it's time for a prediction. I'm guessing within the next two years, they will announce a successor to Shree Herald. Okay. You think he'll pass on the rod or you think... They'll say this is who's coming up. I guess they don't really do the latter, so I guess yeah, I think it'll be a passing of the rod. Okay, all right. I'm estimating within the next two years a passing of the ek rod of power. Okay, I'm gonna bet mostly just because I think this is the other option. So at least we'll have our pieces covered. Yes, I'm gonna bet he dies before that happens, and then they have to sort of backwards justify. Oh well, he talked about this person coming up, and uh, that's uh, you know he must have had a mahasamadhi, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. left his body voluntarily and this is what he wants Uh, there's a strong chance of that as well so that's a that's a good bet as well all right let's see what happens whatever happens we both win (laughs) (laughs) because we covered it all i'll write on the coattails of your victory or you can hang on to mine (laughs) i'll touch the hem of your garment unless if they completely surprise us by doing it in some very different way well then wonder what that would be we will admit our error and our amazement or if shri harold decides that he wants to make his body immortal which i found out recently an eckmaster can do oh yes I found out that if their business is unfinished, they can come back themselves oh, okay. into a physical body. A different one. Mm-hmm. Aha. Like L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. L. Ron Hubbard, by the way, is the founder of Scientology for anyone who is wondering who we keep mentioning. I, I'm also just thinking because Ekankar is so good at dividing. It's mm-hmm. like a paramecium in that way, you know, where it just divides and creates new offshoots. Paramecium. Yeah. I love those. Yummy, yummy. (laughs) I just sense that something with this transition, here we go, some more predictions, will lead an offshoot group who does not like the chosen successor. Oh, yes, for sure. I think that's kind of inevitable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like our poor guy, Shree Darwin Gross. But yeah, that was uh, that was really it for the morning. Scott came up again and wrapped up everything in his dude way and said he'd see us all again October 25th through 27th. That's the worldwide conference. But they won't. They won't see us again. And why is that, Ross? <laughs> okay, I will describe that a little later in the episode. That's, okay. that's a fun story. But yeah, they won't be seeing us again. Oh, sad. And right after that, I wanted to go see the art gallery. Yes. Oh, the art gallery. What a place. Yeah. So this was set up next to one of the bookstores. And I got to say, Ekankar encourages it's people to be artistic. For sure. And so there were a lot of paintings. A lot of photographs. A lot of oil paintings. Uh, woven baskets. Mm-hmm. 3D printing. Mm-hmm. Sculpture. Poetry. It was multimedia. I would say the majority were paintings. That seems right. But quite a bit of photography as well. Yeah. <laughs> I started obsessively writing down the title of every piece of art. Yeah. There was so much squee. 
amazing eck into my photo that I already took. Like it would be a beautiful picture of, say, a horse galloping, and then it would uh-huh. be like the <laughs> elegance of the sound. <laughs> right. And then, oh, here's a cool ripple in the water emanating realms of enlightenment. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, wait. I wrote down some actual titles here. Okay. And I think this would make a fantastic word cloud. Yeah, let me. Okay, you read me the title and I'll guess what it was. Oh, okay. Okay, Okay. here we'll do it that way. Uh, Because, yeah, I feel like there's just this constant refrain of certain terms. Okay, ready? Mm -hmm. Sound current in the waves. Sound current in the waves. Ocean? Okay. I I don't remember. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can't verify. (laughs) I'll say it with more confidence. Okay, good. What is the ocean? That is correct. Inner essence. Inner essence is a picture of someone's guts. Writing waves of divine love. Also the ocean. (laughs) Souls reaching for God. Souls reaching for God. This is a painting of people in a lake of fire screaming, reaching their hands out of the lake of fire toward the heavens. Correct. (laughs) Golden path of ek love. Uh, Someone peeing. I feel like I should be saying these as Harold. Eternity is in this moment. Eternity is in this moment. Someone watching an ek talk. (laughs) Meeting Ek Master Rebizar Tars. Uh, Paul Twitchell looking in a mirror. Okay. <laughs> Listening for love. Listening for love. Someone putting their ear to someone else's dick. <laughs> okay. The wonder of soul. The wonder of soul. A hedgehog. Okay, here, I'll just give you a bunch more. (laughs) Shining voice of God, moving into the heart of God, heaven's gate opening, sparks Uh of soul, into the spiritual depths, Mahanta's love, soul's light shining, colorful inner melody, into the creative flow, heart of God, heart's path of giving, vortex of divine love, spark of God, continuity of life. And I I couldn't stop writing these, so (laughs) there's just... Oh, wow. Carrie can see there's just pages. Pages and pages of titles. (laughs) Of titles. It was delightful. So that for your own art show, you can crib some of these. Petals of the Eck. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, clearly just you had a beautiful picture of a flower. And then you were like, oh, there's that Eck art show. I can I can put this in there if I give it an Eck title. There's got to be a website somewhere where I can type these all in and it'll give me a little word cloud. So yeah, there you where, go. Where heart is really big and light is gigantic. Or and send soul. it to Teal Swan and commission her to write the calligraphy. All out calligraphy. <gasps> I would pay her good money for that. I'd pay, <laughs> I'd pay her Teal Swan prices for her awful calligraphy. Go for it. Okay. Go for it. Good luck. <laughs> None of the artwork was for sale, by the way. Or at least there were no prices listed. Right. There yeah, was no, no this book is just where for you could display write. and yeah. appreciation. Yeah. And there was a film playing in there, so there'd be people sitting around watching the little yeah. film that yep. just showed a bunch of other artwork. Yeah. It was pleasant. It was pleasant. I like the artwork. A lot of good photography. And then, yeah, there would be some paintings, of course, that were clearly deliberately ek. You know, Mm -hmm. the picture of, uh, you know, a golden temple with people walking into it or whatever. It was like, okay, you definitely had ek in mind. Right, You did not just force this in at the end. Two cloaked figures meeting in a wood. Yeah. That looks like is something from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I took the one less cloaked. (laughs) That was good. And then we made our way out and back into the world, the non-Eck world. Now, we did both read a bunch of Eck books, and we want to tell you a little bit about what we learned there. But first, 
Ross, I gotta tell you about my favorite website. Oh, please do. Oh, I love, you guys know it about me. My favorite thing is a website. Carrie loves a good website. I love it. It's in space, but it's not. It's real, but it's fake. It's digital, but it's virtual. It's virulent, but it's corpusculent. It's clandestine, but it's destiny. It's spatial, but it's square. It's space, but it's also square. Square space. Square space. Square space. Exactly. Oh my gosh, what a segue. This episode is actually sponsored in part by Squarespace. And if you want to ride the divine waves of inner light and love on a beautiful website, you can do that with Squarespace. Why don't you create a beautiful website to showcase your work, sell some products or some services, maybe announce an upcoming event or a special project, maybe your own Eck Art Gallery. There's so many things you can do. And also, you get your beautiful customizable templates created by world-class designers. World-class. And everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box, so you don't have to figure out how to make a responsive website. It's responsive already. Mm-hmm. It's got built-in search engine optimization, also known as SEO, and 24-7 award-winning customer support. And it's great. You can go get started without putting any money down. You can make sure that you actually like the platform, that you're able to do everything you need to, at least get yourself started. But then after you've checked out squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, you use the offer code ONO to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. Enter code ONO. Okay. So let's say I've done that. Mm-hmm. Got a wonderful web presence. Mm, I love it. But now I, I love the web. I've looked out to the world, but now I'm going to look inside. Okay. Looking inside myself, specifically into my mouth. Okay. What if I want to bring inner light and love into my mouth? Hmm. I just did that today. I went to the dentist. I just went to the dentist for the first time in like four years. Oh, wow. This week. Yeah, I'm just not good about that. Did you have any cavities? No, but they, they did want to put a cap on one of my teeth that they felt was dangerously getting close to being cavity ridden. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. I don't know. Huh. I, I feel like there was smooth talk going on, but oh, okay. they're like, yeah, you're going to want this in the future. So. Okay. Okay. I have to go every four months because I just have shit teeth. Four months. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then they have to give me like this deep cleaning and all this extra fluoride and stuff. My grandpa was English. Yeah, those British people yeah, on their teeth. boy. Anyway, but here's the good news. Now that I've told you how shitty my teeth are, they've always been <laughs> shitty. They're getting better. And I bet they're getting better because I have a Quip toothbrush. Yeah, that's what we're getting at here. Quip toothbrush is a fantastic toothbrush. It really is. I really do enjoy mine. And I never thought I'd be an electric toothbrush user. And here you are. Here I am. Went off to camp for a week in the middle of the woods, and I had an electric toothbrush. And you know why? Because it's battery-powered. Because it's battery-powered. It's small. It's sleek. It fits in your pocket if you want. A Quip electric toothbrush works just as well at home as it does when you're on the go. Yeah, Quip features sensitive sonic vibrations. We're not talking about ethereal plane vibrations or Marianne Williamson vibrations. Uh, these are don't ac- get me started. <laughs> these are actual vibrations. And it has a built-in two-minute timer. It has a multi-use cover that doubles as a mirror mount. I use that all the time. Uh, and it's great for on the go. And brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. A friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association, and they're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals. 
How many dental professionals are there? I don't know. That's a lot of dental I professionals. I want to know in what way they're backing Quip. What does that mean? I need I need more info. Okay. Are they all holding it up? I always think in terms of theater releases, you know, like there's mm. a, a really wide release for a film will be like 4,000 theaters. Uh-huh. I think about kind of distribution in those terms. I should learn how many Starbucks there are because that would be another way to uh, think yeah. about ubiquity. Anyways, that's a lot of dentists, 25,000. That's a lot of, well, dental professionals. You you're right, not all necessarily dentists. My grandfather was a dentist. I didn't know that. Now you know. Huh. What's his name? Dwayne. Dwayne. That's your middle name. Yep. Is that a coincidence? No. Ah. As I mentioned, this summer, I took my Quip toothbrush to Camp Quest West with me. Well, this summer, I'm taking my Quip to Oregon to see my dad. Oh. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to taking my Quip. No doubt it will be the best part of my trip. And if you want to take your Quip with you, guess what? It starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash oh no right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. Whoa. That's your first refill pack for free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash oh no. So, Ross, we've both been reading a bunch of Ekin stuff. Ek literature. I was trying to find some way to mix the word Ek in literature and it wasn't happening. Backs. Books. Ek books are backs. Ross is deciding whether to pity me. <laughs> <laughs> You have my pity. Oh, thank you. I have one, two, three, four, five, six books in my hand. Oh, wow. You read I, all those? I didn't. Okay. <laughs> but I read, let's But I see. can't hold them in one hand. <laughs> look at this. That's it's, impressive. They're all in my hands, my right hand. I read almost all of five of them. Okay, what? I read four of them. The fifth <laughs> one I read most of. Okay. The sixth one I just had like a, a good glossary, so I went and looked for keywords okay. and then did some highlighting. Okay. I've read smatterings of uh, quite a few books I've collected from them, but the one that I read in totality mm-hmm. is their sacred scripture, the Shariat Kisukmad. Yay. That's right. And you know, wh- That's a long book. Yeah. I read it on Kindle. But apparently it's like 529 pages. Oh, my God. It was... Well done. <laughs> it took a long time. I bet. It's like it's like reading the Bible-ish, yeah. though it's told in one singular voice. You, okay. You can tell it's the same person writing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably Paul Twitchell. Just a guess. Oh, whoa, okay. See, now, I think it was actually channeled. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's not like the Bible where almost every book is a totally different kind of reading experience. Right. So. It didn't feel like what I was expecting from scripture just in that respect. Or there's like one book that tells you a story and then the next book just inexplicably tells you the same story, but just a little bit different. Right. And mostly it is- That's how the Bible is, everybody. mm -hmm. (laughs) Mostly it is this narrator talking about the nature of Akankar, a lot about the Mahanta. The Mahanta, mm. the living Eckmaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now that's interesting because if Paul Twitchell had written it, it would suggest that he was a bit narcissistic if he keeps talking about the Mahanta, which is him. Like really having to define lines around what the Mahanta should be expected to do. Okay. And the powers- Very little? The powers that he has but never has to demonstrate. Very large. Yes. <laughs> very much that he can do and very little that he actually does. And that he has to do. So well, no obligation. Lots of benefits. Got it. This is an actual quote. The Mahanta, the living Eckmaster, has other titles. He is the Godman, the V-Guru, the Lightgiver, 
protector of the poor, the king of heaven, savior of mankind, the scourge of evil, and the defender of the faithful. He is the real and only power in all the universes of God. No one can harm him without his consent, for all that is done to him is given permission by the Ek with his consent. Holy shit, can you imagine writing that about yourself? The balls, right? Yeah. The balls. For real. I was going to say, originally, I went to look just to see if this was available as a free PDF online, because it seemed like something Eck and Carr might make available. I don't know. I had to pay like $10 for it on Kindle, something like that. Okay. But I did find this PDF version of the Shariat Ki Sugmad, except it was the Shariat Ki Hurai, H-U-R-A-Y. What's the difference between that and the Shariat Ki Sugmad? The Shariat Ki Sugmad is written by Paul Twitchell, but this one is written by Paul Twitchell and Alan Feldman. Who's Alan Feldman? A guy who started his own offshoot of Ekankar uh, called Vardankar. Okay. So this is one of the many offshoots. I had a really fun time falling down an internet rabbit hole watching a bunch of videos, especially that this woman he knows... I'm not sure if they're in a relationship or what, but her defending and talking about how he is the true living Eckmaster oh, now. Of course, yeah. Right. They essentially published the whole Shariat Ki Sugmad, but they just replace certain terms. So it's all Shariat oh, Ki okay. Harai. Anytime it says Ekankar, they've just done a word replacement with Vardankar. Oh my God. Th- I mean, this is totally in the spirit of Twitchell because yeah. he did the same stuff. <laughs> Sugmad is replaced with Hurai. Uh-huh. Ek is replaced with Vardan. Oh Ek- man, beating him at his own game. Ekist is replaced with Vardanist. Mahanta is replaced with Margatma. <laughs> God. Soul travel is replaced with Tuza travel. And Vairagi is replaced with Busharan. Sure. So I almost oh read that God. version, but I figured I'd get the legit... Book one and two edition of the Shariat Kisugman. It does refer to a book three, but I don't think that is extant or available. It's like it lives in the spiritual realm. I love that because it's kind of like what David Lane posited in his book. He said, well, Ekankar claims that in the golden <laughs> hereafter or whatever, yeah, the, the far country, realms. so on, that there is this spiritual book that all the great masters go and they read and then they come back and so that's why you have, you know, these different spiritual texts that will have similar words or whatever. Well, they all came from the same source. And David Lane pointed out, well, that means then that anybody who copies Twitchell's writings could just say, oh, yeah, well, I went to the spiritual right? plane too and I saw it. I thought that was so brilliant. Yeah. And here we go. This guy did it. Yeah. I'm guessing Ekinkar would still try to sue them. Yeah. Even though Paul Twitchell used that so liberally. Though, to be fair, we don't know that they did. So. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's just so much about trusting only the Ek master and how he's the arbiter of everything and all truths. And it got so frustrating for me because there were so many passages about how you can't know anything for yourself and oh, how yes. you know this is the truth. Oh, and your attempts to determine truth through other methods are just vain uh-huh. and wrong. And Some of that in one of my books. And uh, so many passages felt like they were directly delivered towards you know people like me. Uh-huh. Essentially, uh-huh. oh, you smarty pants who think you can figure I this out. I think there's such thing as facts and evidence and rationality. Right, here we go. Neither reason nor logic offer any way to find truth. Both deal merely with the world of appearances. Oh, yeah. Cool, man. There's similar to worse stuff in the far country. I can't wait to tell you. Okay, here we go. For people like us, 
Many educated and clever persons are not fit for the society of the Mahanta because they are filled with vanity and do not believe in him. He tells oh. all people who will listen that he sees and knows, but the educated depend on what they hear or read and wish to set up their own way because of their own superior intelligence. But their minds are filled with vanity, wavering thoughts, and sensual desires. They desire miracles, but the Mahanta, the living Ekmaster, does not exhibit miracles. For love is not based upon miracles. Miracles are shown only to true seekers who believe in and love the Mahanta. These disciples are shown miracles at the proper time, but those who are not in earnest, being desirous only for pleasure and fame, are not worthy to see miracles or even to stand before the Mahanta. Those who are the true followers of the Mahanta should be wary of such persons. And of course, miracles are things like, I was driving my car and I saw an orange triangle and it reminded me of the spirit of Ak. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's so many passages like that. Oh, and this would be so frustrating too, where it would claim how this book itself, they say regularly that the Shariat Ki Sugmad has all information, all knowledge that's ever been revealed to man and the answer to every question that can, has, or ever will be asked. God. Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me a bit of how in Islam, People are taught to say you know, the Quran is the most beautiful book uh-huh. ever written. And uh-huh. that's such a subjective thing. Oh, I mean, that seems akin to how people talk about the Bible. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, we're not taught that specific that phrase. That specific phrase. Yeah. I got you, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Bible also is, you know, told, oh, this is the most important book. Well, yeah. why is it not as fun to read as Harry Potter? Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you think the creator of the world could write a more interesting book. I've read all of the Bible and not all of Harry Potter, so. Well, I've read both. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Um, I've read Little Women twice. Have you now? Better than the Bible. Okay. Yeah, I've read so many books this year that are better than the Bible. <laughs> Which is better, the Bible or the Shariat Kisukmad Ooh. for readability? Uh, you know what? I'm going to, hmm, depends which parts of the Bible, but overall, I'm going to give it to the Shariat Kisukmad. Oh, wow. Okay. You uh, heard it here. There is some tedium there. Okay, here we go. The complete secret can only be imparted by the Mahanta. The study of books can impart only intellectual knowledge, but books cannot show the way to see the Sukhmad. Books only assist the understanding of the student, for they show only what is morally right and wrong. What? Books only, only assist is... the understanding of the student, for they only show mumble, what is morally mumble, mumble. right. <laughs> Ross and Carrie try to understand this. I, I will give it to him. At least he doesn't just leave a phrase like that hanging. And it was hard to highlight passages because he would go on to expound on that a bit, yeah. which I sort of appreciated. But it also made it really hard to get like one nugget. Oh, yeah. Like to wrap nugget. your head around one thing and move on mm-hmm. to the next. Yeah. So he's saying books impart morality. I would think he would want that to be the exclusive domain of... But he also just said that you only get intellectual knowledge from studying books. Huh. Huh. Oh, yeah. Here we go. You, in your pride, who would read the sacred works of the Shariat Ki Sugmad without the assistance of the Mahanta, the living Ekmaster, do you even know by what letter of a word you ought to begin to read them? Do you know the secret of combinations of the threes and the nines? Do you know when the final letter becomes an initial and the initial becomes final? What? Yeah, so it's like this challenge to me. I felt Uh, this was a very personal attack from Uh Paul Twitchell. (laughs) Saying like, oh, you think you can just read the Shariat Kisugman and evaluate its words. Mm -hmm. There's so much inner depth there that you'll never be able to understand. No wonder our friend from Alaska wouldn't tell us a book to start with. Yeah. This whole idea is like you have to buy in before you have to buy in and have a personal experience before any of this stuff will make sense direct quote from this edition 
all that has been, all that is, everything that will be, everything that ever has been said are to be found in the Shariat Kisugmad. Wow. But the works within these sacred books do not explain themselves, and they can only be understood when the Mahanta, the living Ekmaster, has removed the garments with which they are clothed and scattered the clouds that veil their celestial light. Wow. Yeah, there's so much of that. Oh, here we go again. The sacred scriptures of the Shariat Kisugmad should not be taken in their apparent meaning as in the case of the Orthodox scriptures. Of what use would it be to forbid their revelation to the profane if their secret meaning were contained in the literal sense of the language usually employed? So in other words, don't try to just quote the book and figure out what it's saying or what you think it's saying. There's all these secret messages and meanings, and you can't understand them on your own. You need the Eckmaster. Almost a Kabbalah kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the secret knowledge. And oh my goodness, it kept constantly taking digs at other religions and about how they were misleading or wrong or incomplete. Mm -hmm. It's so full of itself and he was so full of himself. So yeah, a lot of it was just really frustrating. You sent me a screenshot where I think it like straight up said something like, he who tries to follow another path alongside Ek is the greatest enemy of humankind or something. (laughs) It was like very extreme. Yeah. And he was emboldened to use that, those kind of definitive statements. Yeah. These bold declarations. It's a, it's a book full of bold declarations. Didn't they at some point tell us, I, I know Scientology says this, so I might be conflating, but did they at one point tell us, oh, you can be Eck and have other faiths? You know, I'm not sure if they ever said that outright. Okay. But the Shariat Kisugmat, at least on its face, you know, I'm not reading it with the inner depth of the living Eck master, <laughs> right. but it does seem to soundly refute that. But I I would say the worst punishment seems to be just backwards progress in your spiritual development. Right. And there's endless descriptions of the many, 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 many layers of realms and where they exist and don't exist and who's there. And eventually you work your way up into these higher levels. You become a fifth initiate and then you go beyond that. Uh, so that's your eventual path. But then there's all these lower realms and there's the power of the cowl. And, Which is like the devil. Right. That's their devil. So th- those are all the major themes. And yeah, then he just keeps iterating on these themes. And it doesn't seem well organized in that it keeps jumping back to the same statements over and over mm-hmm. again, just mm-hmm. in different words. So yeah, it was a fascinating slash frustrating experience just reading 500 pages of that. I know this wouldn't be in the book, but have you done any extra reading on like when this is thought to have been written? Uh, that's a good question. I think the original copyright is 1971 Okay. on the book. It had to have taken a long time to write, even if you're channeling it. Yeah. That's a hell of a lot of material. And I just... Sat there thinking the whole time, like, wow, what motivates someone to just output this gigantic block of this? Yeah, again, very LRH-like to just be like, I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to write down all the thoughts and then I'm going to collate the thoughts. <laughs> and as I mentioned in our interview with David, the premise is that this book predates all religions. Right. Th- that it is the earliest text. But constantly it's talking about Christianity, Buddhism... Hinduism, uh, you know, all these other religions that are supposedly newer. And without talking about them as if they're in the future. Right. Just commenting on them directly. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like a major flaw. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it does. Here we go again. There is no way to analyze Eck, nor is there any way to explain it. It just is what it is and attempts to make it anything else bring about confusion and failure. 
Okay. There's also a lot of borrowing from other religious texts. I recognized a lot of quotes almost directly from the Bible, but where he just changed, you know, some reference to daily bread or whatever it may be. You go, oh, come on. Yeah. You know, oh, you took that directly from Buddhism. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I guess he would make that same claim. Oh, no. Well, they took it from us. Right, right. (sighs) It's like uh, the worst kind of thief is <laughs> the one who just turns around like, no, actually, you stole it from me. Right. I stole it back. And then also, I think he assumed we would never have the technology, most people did, uh, that we wouldn't have the technology we have today, so it'd be much harder to cross-reference stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we talked to David about this as well, because he would also just like very clearly steal from Scientology and from Satmat. Yeah, here, read that quote. Oh, God. Gosh, this law is love is all and do as thou wilt. <laughs> yes, uh, very clearly stolen from our good friend Alistair Crowley. <sighs> oh, goodness. Here, here we go. Another example of the humility in this book. Humility. This sounds like something Donald Trump would write if he wrote scripture. <laughs> There's probably never been a greater gift from Ekinkar to the world than the present book, the Shariat Kisugmad. Oh. It's totally something he'd say, except it wouldn't even be quite that eloquent. Playing the fake accordions with his hands. Right, right. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, yeah, I highlighted way too many passages. I've been putting off writing my Goodreads review of this because I want to, like, thoroughly just, like, write Uh a bunch of the stuff. So expect that after Ross decides not to sleep one night. And that's probably also useful for someone who is maybe in the faith and questioning. It's probably good for them to see a thoughtful review from someone who looked at it with a rational eye. Yeah. Though, of course, that person was deceived. Mm-hmm. Sure. They had a prophylactic written to the book, too. Oh, good. To deal with people like me who try to use reason oh, and logic right. and look for consistency. Rude. Okay, how did your reading adventure go? Oh boy, eventful. So the first thing I read was The Key to Ekinkar by Paul Twitchell. Oh yeah. This one is actually attributed to Paul Twitchell. But he goes on a walk with, how do you say this again? Rebazar Tars? Yeah, you got it. Rubber tires. And Rebazar, Rebazar, Reba, Reba McIntyre. What if he was elected as your representative and you had to call him Representative Rebazar Tars? (laughs) (laughs) What if you were your Republican representative? Representative. Republican <laughs> representative representatives. We recognize the Republican representative representatives <laughs> from the fine state of Rhode Island. Okay, so yeah, the key to Ekinkar is is yeah, a long story of Paul Twitchell walking with Rebazar Tars and Rebazar Tars just giving him a bunch of thoughts and he wrote them down. And he walked with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. I don't know that one. Oh, is that a, that sounds a like a Christian hymn. And the joy we shared as we tarried there, no other has ever known. You. Okay, so um, (laughs) because of like the nature of how he wrote it, it's all these just sort of information dumps from Rebazar Tars and they'll be kind of apropos of nothing. Disjointed. Here's some stuff I was thinking and you should write it down. Cool. So that's how it's going to be delivered to you. Okay, so here we go. (laughs) Homo sapiens is unaware of how much hypnotism, clairvoyance, and exteriorization are used in secret police work on the international fronts. 
how Russia uses them in her spy work, as do America and England. Now, didn't Rebizar Tars live like in the 1400s, maybe 1500s? That sounds right. But, you know, he's also He's alive keeping and well tabs. Yeah. Oh, sure. Okay. All right. Uh, but if you talk about this to Homo sapiens, he laughs at you. For this reason, knowledge about these subjects are well hidden. But it's been used in India for thousands of years and is so common that nobody even thinks twice about it. Okay. So there you go. Oh, yeah, this is interesting. Nothing is ever created, only manifested. And this this comes up again in another book where he basically says that hell does exist, but it only exists because preachers thought it up. Okay. And were like, oh, you know, we want to punish people who don't follow our church. And then hell sprung into being. Oh, it actually became real. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting take. It's wrong, but it's interesting. (laughs) That's, oh my God, that's got to make so many people just like obsessively tracking their thoughts to make sure that they're not That you could manifest them. Oh, that makes my poor little OCD heartbreak for them. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, Now the Mothman is real because you were worried that he was real. Right, exactly. Oh, God. Uh, Clairvoyance is a scientific fact. Great. Um... (laughs) Prove it. He mentions the time track, a clear reference to Scientology. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. What type of mind grabs the illuminated state best? Twitchell asks Reba McIntyre. And she replies, (laughs) a mind with randomity. That is, a mind which can change under any circumstance. This is a factor which isn't very well known. But the higher soul travels on the spiritual path. The less it becomes its burdens, and the easier it is to change swiftly from one course to another. A mind that moves with random speed works in the field of randomity. Understand? <laughs> and he replies, oh, yes. <laughs> randomity. Oh, well, I'm glad you got it. That's not a word in the dictionary. <laughs> but it will be the name of my next son. <laughs> Randomity Blotcher. It seems more like a girl's name to me. Well, I'm not going to name my daughter Randomity. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, I've got to interject another quote here from the Shariat Kisugman. There is little need to seek truth. Just stop having views. Do not adopt or reject, nor examine truth or pursue it. What? <laughs> yeah, what? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. See, I need the carry commentary <laughs> when reading stuff like that. Now, this is interesting. Okay, so you were just talking about how, you know, in the Sharat Kisukmat, it talks about how basically, like, you need to, you need the Mahanta and you need Ekankar in mm-hmm. order to, you know, understand this world. But then here he says, wherever I go, there is the same story. I will save you in my church or cult. Salvation lies only within my church. I cannot see where God allows any group to be its sole representative in this physical universe. Mm-hmm. God never established a definite group for the liberation of man. Okay. Oh, except yours? <laughs> yeah, right. Except yours. Right. What else? What else? Oh, he mentioned some detractors here. No. Uh, one pseudo teacher tried to attack him and failed, and the force was turned back on him. As a result, that detractor's whole organization went downhill. Let that be a lesson to you. Harold Klemp likes detractors. Detractors on the fields of Minnesota. <laughs> Oh, there is life after death. It's being proved daily. There are hundreds of cases reported every month, and I wish that man would start believing. There are lots of reports. Of people dying? Yeah. Well, and even having near-death experiences. Oh, true. Me interjecting again as I go through my highlights. Yeah. To ridicule, to scorn, to speak mockingly of the words of the Mahanta, 
maybe we've spoken mockingly of a few words, and not to have faith in him. And the cause of, done that. of Eck is to bring woes on the advocator of doubt. It brings his karmic progress to a halt, increases oh, no. his incarnations in this world, oh, and no. causes him to suffer untold hardships. Oh, shit. So, uh, well, at least it's him. This doesn't seem to apply to me. Yeah, so it's all for me. <laughs> okay, good. But at least they're untold. You know what? This explains part of what happened as far as us not going back to Eck. Mm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Indeed. I don't think that's really the explanation. Oh, yeah, okay. I sent you this back when I saw it, and we were both blown away by it. On page 27 of the Key to Ekankar, there is just a complete theft of Scientology's eight dynamics. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's wild. You showed me that. It is so lifted from Scientology. Like, word for word. I looked up the version of this in, I don't remember which piece of Scientology lit it is, but where they first talk about the eight dynamics. Mm -hmm. And it's like nearly word for word and just, you know, little tweaks. Wow. So for those who didn't listen to our Scientology investigation, Scientology believes in these eight dynamics that sort of influence your existence. The first includes the survival of the individual as a person living in the flesh. (laughs) Sound familiar? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it does. Seventh is what we normally know as the highest mental world. Eighth is the Godhead. Like that, it is Scientology, and no, of course, no reference to Scientology. Mm-hmm. Here's a couple passages just with Ekankar claiming its superiority over other religions. The living Ekmaster is always higher on the spiritual scale of God than any saints of the worldly religions. <laughs> wow. Here's another quote. Since Ek is the original, primitive source of all life, it is closer to truth, with a capital T, uh-huh. than any other religion, philosophy, or church. Those who point fingers at Ek, claiming that here are false teachings taught by false prophets, are not aware that they are themselves misled by the call. Oh, how convenient. Okay, so I don't know if we mentioned this before. I think we did, that Paul Twitchell seems to have some... He seemed to be sort of a misogynist. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so here's uh, some evidence of that. Okay. The masculine principle devises, but it can never create. It can discover and work out the principles of God. It plans, correlates, and gives birth to social order and systems of religious and philosophical thought. Now, the feminine principle, the womanly element, which is the other side, puts together the organizations and social elements of life and holds them together. <laughs> so the men do all the creating, making uh-huh. society, but then we go and we maintain it for Sus- them. And yeah, the do sustaining all the busy work. empathic force, sure. Very cool. I love this. There is an old saying whoever is willing to harm you as a neck master is willing to harm God. How old, an, how old a saying is that, Paul? Because it has the words Eckmaster in it. <laughs> how old are we talking? There is an old saying. Oh, oh. There's an old saying. Carrie Poppy, very talented. On one level, you, I don't know, appreciate the game he's playing on some level. Like, oh, this is clever how you're building this to become Uh immune from criticism. At the same time, you're so annoyed that someone would do such a manipulative thing. Yeah, totally. That's right. I'm talking ill of the Mahanta and his words. (laughs) What you gonna do about it? Visit untold misfortunes on me? Bring it. 
It's funny you say that because I had just written a note here in the margin here that says uh, smart analogy because he does. He comes up with like little smart yeah. ways of thinking oh, about yeah. it. A clever man, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless we feel the actual presence of God, then as far as we are concerned, we do not have the realization of the spirit. It's like electricity, which is everywhere, just as the spirit of God is. But electricity is of little use or value to anyone unless it is connected in some way for a particular use. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cogent. Could be like that. Argument by analogy, but could be like that. All right, cool. Done with that one. Whew. That was... That was the key to Ekinkar, this tiny little booklet. <laughs> okay, that was Ekinkar with a key to science and the scriptures. <laughs> yes. Then, of course, I've already told you a bit about My Ekmaster Affair by Bernadine Berlin. <laughs> she was... But uh... tell us about your Ekmaster Affair. Okay. Well, I fucked him. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. But no, this is about Sri Darwin Gross and yeah, yes. his uh, that immediate whole, assistant. That whole story where she was going to drive off of a cliff. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, so th- it's all full of things like that where he's just manipulating her and using like his abject power. Cool, cool. Uh, and, and pretending to know stuff in the most obvious way. And I'm like, Bernadine, you are telling the story. I shouldn't be able to see through this and see that he is lying to you. Having read similar stories, who's more annoying in that respect, Darwin Gross or Paramahansa Yogananda? In the respect of pretending to already have known stuff? Yeah, and just playing those games with, oh, yes, I knew you were going to say that. And oh, okay. Other, like setting up situations just to make themselves look a little more important. Okay. Um, maybe Darwin Gross, but I'm not, I'm not sure. They might be pretty close. It sounds like they were playing a similar game. Yeah. Well, it would be things like she'd say, oh, gosh, I, uh, you know, I... When I came in here, I expected you to be mad at me because of Mm -hmm. that thing I said when we met in the spirit realm last night. And then he'd be like, oh, yes, well, you know, I've forgiven you, but I knew that was on your mind. (laughs) I'm making up that example. Now that you've said it. Exactly. Anyway, uh, this wasn't really a highlight worthy book. It's definitely something you have to take as a whole. But I recommend it. It's out of print, but you can find it's it's forgotten. So you can find a copy for a good four bucks if you're curious. Then I've got Herbs, the Magic Healers by Paul Twitchell. I always know when I see something like this, this is where we're going to find a little more information about our harm rating. Okay. Because- Danger, yeah. Yeah, you see herbs and, oh, people people love to try to heal things with herbs. So in this, we learn what some of the evil foods are, the call foods that we should all not be eating. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, government reports link cancer and heart disease with cigarettes and tobacco smoking. But little- Fair. Yes. <laughs> but little or no mention ever made of the call foods and drinks. The call foods and drinks include tea. Oh, okay. Thumbs down on the hot drink scale right there. Coffee. Oh, doubly thumb down. Which explains why, remember I said I suspected this was the case when they wouldn't let me bring my coffee in? Yes, wow. Tobacco, refined sugar. Oh, okay. okay. Alcoholic beverages, fine. Soft drinks and chocolate. Oh, no. (gasps) Recreational drugs are also call substances. Each of these has a damaging effect on the total body energy. But then there are also some foods that are predominantly call not totally call but predominantly call do they have high caloric content (laughs) some do some definitely don't (laughs) so they are non-herbal tea is high in calories 
<laughs> so I guess the herbal tea is completely called. It's better than actual leaf tea. No, the opposite way. Oh. Because when he was listing foods that are totally call, yes. he just said tea. But on the things that are just predominantly call, he said non-herbal tea. Oh, non-herbal. Oh, yeah. okay. All right, weird. weird. Maybe he's like me and he just like hates chamomile. <laughs> um, processed, preserved, or canned foods- High sugar foods, artificially colored foods, soft drinks, iceberg lettuce, mostly oh, call. It's mostly water. Nope, mostly uh, call. Okay. Uh, tomatoes. Tomatoes? Come on. You might agree with this one. Cucumber skins. No wonder they didn't cater any food at this event. <laughs> I know, right? What would you serve? <laughs> Not cucumber skins. Yeah, what did this guy eat? I don't know, but do you agree with him about cucumber skins? You don't like cucumber. I'm not a fan of cucumber. Yeah, he didn't like the skins, I guess. I still don't agree with him about this. <laughs> Homogenized milk. The enemy of my enemy is not necessarily my friend. <laughs> Hydrogenated fats, white flour products, Okay. food grown on chemically treated or depleted soil. How would you even know? <laughs> um, irradiated foods. That's so like the injunction not to get near a woman on her period oh right how do you know other than asking (laughs) (laughs) exactly um irradiated foods synthetic vitamins and high carbohydrate foods which is a lot of foods (laughs) so don't eat any of those can't you just eat healthy food because it's healthy (laughs) no mm -mm. you need a list of the call foods which i bet you anything he just like didn't like tomatoes didn't like cucumbers he's like yeah those those are bad for you uh don't bring them into lunch. Those are those are call. Another fun Shariat Ki Sugmad tidbit is that it makes multiple references to both Lemuria and oh, great Atlantis. Atlantis, yeah, they're both real Wonderful. places. One was in the Pacific Ocean, one was in the Atlantic. Yeah, they knew of the Shariat Ki Sugmad, of course. Great. Well, I put up a video on our Facebook page of me reading to you an explanation from Shri Harold about why people have insomnia. And people get insomnia. Get this, you guys. This is why. It's because some of us are direct descendants of the Atlanteans. And if you are one of these people, then you know in your bones that you are supposed to die when you get to a certain age because they would practice the Adashtupa, where they would make their elderly kill themselves at a certain age. Very Logan's Run, very yeah. Midsommar. Um, and uh, it's not really a spoiler. It's early on. And so when you start to reach the age at which you would have died in Atlantis, your body knows this and you start to get very tired all the time. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Wow. Now, Ross, let's hear a little about vegetarianism, shall we? Let's. The most famous vegetarian of our times was? Should, should this be obvious to me? I wouldn't say the answer is the first one I think of. Ellen White. Was she a vegetarian? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, that makes sense. No. The most famous vegetarian of our times was Adolf Hitler. Oh, okay. (laughs) Some people argue was a vegetarian. It's not actually clear historically, but. Not my first association with Adolf Hitler, but okay. It's like that whole bat thing. Did you ever learn this in psychology class? Uh -uh. If you hook someone up to an MRI machine and you say, does a bat fly? Like their brain immediately lights up. But if you say, is a bat a mammal? It takes a little bit for you to make those two associations. Oh, interesting. Same kind of thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. Anyway, in order to compensate for the lack of zest in Hitler's diet due to the lack of meat protein, he went to extremes with sweets. 
So that explains why he was so violent. He was a vegetarian. I heard that he had bad indigestion. Oh, okay. And farting. Oh, okay. Well, if you eat a lot of vegetables. Cellulose. Those cruciferous vegetables. Yeah. And the races of people who have had to be vegetarians have been more warlike and have had more problems internally than those who maintain balanced nutrition within their respective countries. Cool, dude. Okay. Okay, that one's over. Hey, did you know that Atlantis was first known about 25 to 30,000 years ago? Its inhabitants were chiefly tall, white-skinned, fair-haired people mm. with blue eyes who spoke a mixture of Lemurian and what was earlier considered a Scandinavian dialect? Uh, no, but it now sounds you know. potentially racist. <laughs> I'm going to skip over Wonderful World of Ek, though it's wonderful, as you might expect, and go to the far country. Okay. So The Far Country is a book that David Lane recommended. He said, you know, they don't really advertise this one because it's got some crazy shit Yes. In it. So yeah, and like, you immediately it. ordered it. Gotta I get, get it. I guess I can take it off my wish list now because I can borrow it from oh, you. Oh, yeah. You can have it when I'm done here. And he was right. So this one's about 300 pages. Oh, by the way, it was the Eck that dictated that the female be formed out of the rib of man and established to be his mate on the Earth planet. And the same was done with the beings of other planets. Oh, okay. So that was true okay. in the Bible, just Great. so you know. Page 113 of The Far Country. Okay. The creative side is the male principle, and the destructive side is the... A female principle. Female principle. Oh, okay. This power is in every woman who walks or has walked the Earth planet. It is in her makeup to give life or destroy it. Okay, Mr. Incel. <laughs> this is her nature, and sad as it may be, the more freedom that a woman has, the more that she wishes to experiment with life. Sad. Hey, guess what, Paul Twitchell? Women don't owe you sex. <laughs> Observe the nature of women in your casual relations with them. They want to pull everything down to their level. Hmm. This is because woman feels inferior to the male species. She will go to untold lengths in order to bring a man down to her level and make herself equal. This is the Kali force working within her. Untold lengths, like writing thousands of pages of books? <laughs> the menstruations of women are oh, no. tied to the forces of nature. And because of this cruelty, Kali herself is forced to demand the blood of humans and animals. This is to make up for what she loses monthly. She fights the desperate fight against nature and not winning. She takes her revenge by demanding that all women obey her and seek the equalization of man. She is getting more strength and status from the ages through which she lives until possibly one day, Kali may be the leader of all races. That is, woman might come to the head of the family and leaders of nations. Huh, okay. <laughs> No, no, Ross, you should be alarmed. Man is coming into the era now where he is fighting for his position in the society of races because women are trying to take their place. There have been many matriarchal societies in the history of the earth, and every time this has happened, there has been major regression as the feminine principle rules. Yeah, this all sounds reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Carrie. Yes, Ross has it? Yes, there's so much literature here I can know. you can you just i don't know tell me about a beautiful podcast oh yeah yeah there are so many shows that won't make you listen to, to, to passages from cult literature like this one hi i'm dave hi i'm graham and we're two house djs who have been trapped inside our drum machine we love it here and we'd love if you stopped by and visited us every week on, on stop, stop podcasting, podcasting yourself, yourself here on maximumfun.org we're just a couple of doofuses from Canada. 
and listen to our show or perish. <laughs> Stop podcasting yourself <laughs> on MaximumFun.org. Oh, here's some celebration of the Eckmaster. Oh, good. The master is the highest developed man known to history, and consequently, by virtue of his development, he has become the prototype of the race, the most splendid specimen of manhood, the noblest of noble. It's generally understood that no man with a defective body, any serious deformity, can ever become a spiritual traveler. Cool. His mind must be of a very high type, keen, penetrating, quick of wit, sound of judgment. He may not be educated in a university or college, but his mind must undergo the severest training and discipline. During the process of becoming a living Eckmaster, he attains all knowledge which could possibly be given in the colleges and universities. Maybe your followers don't see your inadequacies, Paul Twitchell, but we see them. (laughs) We see them and we note them. And you know what? I'm not worried about my karma. (laughs) Yeah. The Eckmaster is also the only man who has no need to ask favors of others. He has all things at his own command. <laughs> God. But I'm sure he asks a lot of others. Yep. They're just, they're not favors. There's they're- a hell of a lot of that in the Shariat Kisukmad. Oh, so gross. <laughs> <laughs> I sincerely believe that anything that has to be proven by long processes of logic is not worth proving. In other words, if the thing is not self-evident, it is of little use. Carrie and I are just staring at each other in wonderment. <laughs> if it's not self-evident. Why are you writing these books then? <laughs> yeah, true, true. And Stop writing books, about, Paul like, Twitchell. Every, every piece of technology is not self-evident. Every human develop. I'm rubbing my face. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't make any sense. And you know that this guy was alive because of people not following that philosophy. Yeah. People working together and pushing knowledge forward for thousands of years. So you could be here, Paul Twitchell, it's and such, shit all over it. It's such a self-defeating philosophy. Yeah. Uh Ugh. Ugh. Oh. I love how we're just taunting all his words. <laughs> but he has the last laugh. He's the Eckmaster. Was. Touche. If the conscious mind can be made to accept the dictum that there is power available to remove pain and cure disease, beneficial results must follow. Well, then why is Shri Harold Clamp in such a bad way? Yeah. And not trying to reframe it as positive either. He's like, this sucks. Aging is terrible. Yeah. I am miserable. Boy, that was dark. Yeah. And hey, I get it. Like, aging does seem to suck. So I understand. But uh, within the context the of, of, exactly. Yeah. This is a good one for our podcast from the Shariat Kisugmad. This is the reason that those who do aura readings, healings, or adjustments can be considered either devious persons or oh. ones who do not know anything about what they are doing. They can unwittingly or purposely open the aura for those entities who can do harm. Oh, interesting. That's uh, close to the Christian view. Yeah, totally. Oh, it's not just wrong. It's dangerous. Right. Okay, so here's where he drops the fact that hell exists. Page 189. If one's life has been that of a low order, he may be taken to some purgatory or reformatory often called a hell, Mm. there to endure the punishment earned by him during his lifetime. Speaking of stealing from Scientology, page 197 mentions mest. 
matter, energy, space, and time. Okay. A Scientology yep. term. Yep. But again, without any reference to Scientology. All right, Ross, here's your favorite subject, how okay. bad reason is. Okay. <laughs> Before starting in on the deeper part of the subject, let me divert to a favorite topic, the fad which man has taken up and tried to work out to form around it a religion. This is reason. Reason is a senseless sort of argument that everything works out from logic or deduction according to what the senses make of it. It is to work out, think out, figure out, analyze, or conclude about something. Today, this fad has been split into two warring factions, the intellectuals versus the anti-intellectuals. Yeah, I bet you can guess who's the good guys and who's the bad guys. I feel like this is uh, anti-intellectualism. That's right. The anti-reasonists are those whom we normally know as the spiritual travelers. They are followers of the doctrine of directly receiving from the Sugmod and its counterparts, the silent ones, and of course, the Ak. The knowledge gained from separating soul from the body and moving about in what we know as the Nuri Saurup, the light body. Yeah, we know it as that. <laughs> isn't concerned at all with the reasoning of the mind. Soul learns quickly that it can gain more in 15 seconds of knowledge, health, power, and freedom when submerged in the divine cosmic sound current than by years of trying to reason out something with intellect. I like how he's providing all these examples and context to reason us out of reason. <laughs> totally. There was another example he gave where he was like, oh, you know, these scientists say that an atom spins in a certain direction, but there was uh, apparently like someone in the Theosophical Society who had posited something similar earlier mm. so they were like haha see we were right the whole time it's like okay so are you saying science did arrive at that knowledge finally mm. because that still says that you have some discerning power yeah and even then when you can point at your religious text and say aha see it predicted this well apparently it wasn't useful actionable knowledge until science got there the hard one hard fought way right now it's applicable and you're just trying to gain credit for it yeah you weren't going around saying, hey, guys, hey, guys, the atom spins to the left. <laughs> yeah. you, you just later were like, oh, okay, wait, now I can reread this and uh -huh. put that meaning behind but it. But I get full credit. Right. Um, intellectualism is really a trap established by the call. Great. The materialistic sciences are a part of intellectualism, and they're a trap to gather all attention to their discoveries. These are, as you know, nothing in comparison with what an Eck traveler knows. This can't surprise anyone at this point, but he hates philosophy. <laughs> this reminds me a lot of L. Ron Hubbard. I did not excel in X, therefore X is evil. <laughs> totally. You know who else does that? This is sad. Ingrid Newkirk, the president of PETA. Oh, no. She, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, she's a mixed bag of a person. But one of the things she would do is like, she didn't go to college. Fine. She became like a career activist. But then when people did go to college, she would be like, that's just stupid. There's nothing to learn there. Uh, Come and mm -hmm. work here. It's like, oh. One of my favorite books of all time is Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me. Oh, yeah. Uh, by Carol Tavris and Elliot Aronson. And it talks about cognitive dissonance. And there's this great illustration that they use throughout, which is that everybody faces these little junctures where we make a decision to go one way or the other. 
And they illustrate that as a pyramid. So you start at the top of the pyramid making this binary choice. And by the end, you get to the bottom of the pyramid and you're on one side or the other. And Mm -hmm. you point to people who made a different choice. You could have gone either way at the time. Uh But since they've made that other choice that you didn't make, Mm -hmm. you kind of defend that by Uh castigating them and pointing them like, oh, they're bad people or, oh, they're compromised or they're weak or whatever because they're... But for the grace of God, go I. Uh I ended up on this side of the pyramid. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that that seems right. He does explain that the Eckmaster leaves his body when he wants to. It's a volitional act. Okay. When the time comes that an Eckmaster wishes to leave his body for keeps, he simply lays it down of his own will, steps out of it, as he has done so often, you know, by doing out-of-body experiences. But now he breaks the cord and discards the body as an instrument for which he has no further use. Oh, yeah. There was a reference to the silver cord in the Sharia Kisukmat as Uh, well. Ah, right. Then a chela has to take the master's body and burn it. Okay. Can't can't be buried. So that's Ah. interesting. And the entire process of the passing of a master, as well as all circumstances connecting with it, are under his control. There's never a momentary shadow of unconsciousness. He remains a traveler even through the process of his own death. So if Shri Harold dies anytime soon, it is because he decided to. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then he also says that a lot of yogis decide to keep their body for centuries. But, you know, the living Eckmasters tend not to because they prefer to sort of live by the the rules of the society and the rules. Oh, yes. Go ahead and die around, you know, 100 or a little less. That was another thing. There were so many bold claims about the amazing things that the Mahanta could do if he so chose to. But he doesn't. (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. Like He could destroy countries with his pinky, but he decides not to get involved. Or when Sri Harold said that he was offered the gift of clairvoyance, oh, but yes. oh, he worries too much. <laughs> it's like that kid who says, oh, okay, well, I didn't want to race, but I totally could have won. Totally. From the Sharia Kisugmad, therefore, the Mahanta is the most powerful being within the universes of the Sugmad. With a flick of his finger, he can create or destroy nations and any forms of life. But in his compassion for all life, he desires to create and build instead of destroy. Very nice. Well, I'm going to try to one-up you. Let's see which of those is more egotistical. <laughs> Braggadocio. <laughs> yeah. The Eck Master is the God Man. A word from him is a word from the Eck. He has no need to help others, oh. for even his presence alone is elevating, inspiring, stirring, and life-giving. His company is self-satisfying, and living in his presence is a spiritual education. All agonies, miseries, tribulations, taints of the world, illness, and other negative aspects seem to vanish in his mere presence, and one's doubt are removed. Wow. <laughs> You're talking about yourself. <laughs> Who can do that? What what has to be wrong with you to write that kind of thing about yourself? I don't know. Anyway, Ross and I have highlighted so much more, but <laughs> yeah. we showed up so you don't have to, so we're not going to make you hear all of this, but we read hundreds of pages for you. I'm sure you believe us by now. You're like, stop, yeah. stop <laughs> quoting this stuff. Amazing. I think, well, together we read over a thousand pages of Eck literature. Okay. <laughs> How stupid. <laughs> Why'd we do that? <laughs> we make a podcast. <laughs> well, oh, wait. I do have one last thing to say. I made a list as I was reading the key to Ekankar, a list of people guided by or visited by the Ek masters. Okay. Leonardo da Vinci, Walt Whitman, Paracelsus, Mm -hmm. George Fox, William Blake, 
George Washington, John Keats, Madame Blavatsky, Muhammad, Immanuel Kant, Martin Luther, Mozart, Joan of Arc, St. Francis, St. Catherine of Siena, the first recipient of stigmata, uh-huh. and St. Peter. Oh, wow. Okay, you get credit for all of those. All of those. The ec- And yet they somehow misled them, these other religions, many of them were involved yeah, in. Yeah, what? Okay. Joan of Arc. I love that dual process to what we were talking about earlier, claiming that you have this pre-existing, more foundational knowledge. Uh-huh. It's also this desire to claim people and take credit for them. Uh-huh. Uh, they were really inspired by my teachings right, right. that I'm now pushing into the past. For whatever reason, though, they don't try to co-opt Jesus. No Christ opting here. Right. I mean, there's mention of the Bible in a few places, but... Oh, you know what? Jesus is mentioned in the far country. Oh, is he? But not extensively. Not a big deal is made of him. He is only mentioned once in the Shariat Kisukmad, but it's, as you might guess, boasting about the Mahanta. Mm. The spiritual body of the Mahanta is always with all the people at all times and cannot be replaced because some religions have a different name for him. He has been the spiritual head of the world since its creation, manifesting physically to different races at different periods of human history as the vehicle for the Sugmad in the form ah. to which they are most accustomed and by the name familiar to them. If the people were Hindu... Like contact. Yeah. If the people were Hindu, he has appeared as Krishna, Buddha, or Vishnu. Sure. So they would know him. He was Zeus to the Greeks, Jupiter to the Romans, Osiris, Amun, Re, and Aton to the Egyptians... Jehovah to the old Judeans, Ishtar to the Babylonians, Varuna to the Aryans, Jesus to the Christians, oh, and Allah to the Muslims. He has appeared to all in every age of this world. That's oh, the God. one mention of Jesus. That's interesting that they say Jesus, but then Allah instead of Muhammad. Oh, well, because Muhammad didn't claim to be God. Right. Jesus did. Oh, well, yeah. Maybe. By the way, Spiritual Wisdom on Health and Healing does say that... The problem surrounding healing is karmic. The ill person once broke a divine principle through ignorance, and psychic healing can erase the symptoms for a while, but eventually the sickness surfaces again with a new face. Basically, the way to heal it, of course, is uh, the living act master's touch. Of course. Yeah, only mental aberrations make you ill. So there you go. Cool, 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 guys. Very cool. So, I bet you're all wondering at this point, well, why are Ross and Carrie not going back for the convocation in October? This stuff is so good. Don't they want more? Well, I got a letter in the mail. I get Mm -hmm. a lot from Eck and Carr, or I Mm -hmm. have gotten a lot from Eck and Carr. And uh, they'll send various packages with reading material, the newsletter, and I almost took this one envelope to the recycle pile. Car had put it in there and I was going through and, oh, wait, let's open this one. I haven't seen what's inside here yet. And there was a letter dated July 10th to Ross Blotcher mm-hmm. from Eck and Car saying, Dear Ross, we are discontinuing your Eck membership. Uh-oh. If later you'd like to take up the path of Eck in earnest, do write in. You may attend Eck events open to the public. If you attend for the purpose of your podcast or other reporting, please identify yourself as media and honor the spiritual nature of the gathering. All the best in your spiritual journeys. Sincerely, Eck and Car Membership Services. Fair, though I think we did pursue in earnest. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's always the tricky 
premise of our podcast is yeah. that you know we do this because we want to and we're interested in it, but we do know we're making a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so on one hand, yeah, we're seekers of truth and we're open to truth if we find it, but we're, we're going to talk about the process. Yeah. And if we find it, then we'll just keep making the podcast, but now we'll be comparing everything with Eck and Carr, whatever it is, you know, we determined to be truth. And if that had been the outcome here, I doubt we would have been kicked out. Yes. So, yeah, we have to ask about your standards as well there, Eck and Carr. Yeah, it was an interesting letter to receive. And I I think I'll respond at least to maybe clarify a bit about our approach. Mm -hmm. But uh, also, certainly, we'll invite them to come on the show. Because we Mm -hmm. would love to hear their side of things if they want to answer to any of the criticisms that we have leveled at Paul Twitchell and other teachings within Ekankar. But uh, yeah, overall, uh, I can say I had a good time. Yeah, Enjoyed the people I met. But yeah, my membership is discontinued. Did they send you a letter like that, Carrie? I don't think so. Okay. Unless I'm trying to remember if they have like my old address maybe. Okay. Which is possible. But I haven't gotten anything like that that I know of. But I'll assume that it's directed at both of us. Right. And, you know, you're the feminine side. I'm the destructive force. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough thing about disclosure because disclosing that we make this show would make a totally different show. You wouldn't get this perspective of what it's really like to go in as an average person Mm because we'd be going in as reporters. But I do. Yeah. I just feel like. It's a world in which everyone can slap up a Yelp review. Anyone could go to the Ekinkar seminar and mm-hmm. do anything to report it. We don't generally share a bunch of live audio. We, you know, like anybody yeah. can do that. <laughs> yeah. Anybody. Um, in many ways, our podcast is a very extended Yelp review. Yeah. No, totally. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. In a way, it just seems sort of naive, I guess, to me. On the other hand, you know, you can't blame them for wanting to uh, control that a bit more. So anyways, uh, yeah, it was a good ride while it lasted. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would you give this on a pseudoscience scale where (laughs) one is something not very Mm -hmm. pseudoscientific, uh, something that's well-established science, like uh, vaccines are one of the greatest achievements of humankind Mm -hmm. and everyone should vaccinate their children and their pets. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's one. It's totally scientific. Got it. Whereas 10 would be denuding your science policy team from your White House, removing them (laughs) down the street, and then waiting until they slowly dwindle into nothingness. Hmm. Well, that's anti-scientific. Yeah, that's just off the top of your head. Okay. Hypothetically. uh, Yeah. So this definitely bucks against my understanding of how the world works. Mm -hmm. And from what I understand, what science has concluded about how the world works, I don't feel like it borrows from science a whole bunch. I don't feel like it does what, say, the Raelians do, where there's like this sort of fetishizing of science and then, but then we're going to tweak it to refit all of our beliefs. I don't feel like there's that much of that. So I'm going to give it a six. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't feel like anyone, certainly who wrote the texts of Ekankar, let alone people we interacted with, have any huge feelings about science or like try to look into it a lot or incorporate it a lot. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily 
pseudoscientific in that sense. Just unscientific. Unscientific. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like what Paul Twitchell set up in many ways is removed from the day-to-day practice of Ekankar now. Yes. It has so been molded by Sri Harold into something, I would say, more benign. I agree. Uh, but I'm going to ding them just for things like Lemuria and Atlantis and a lot of the junk that Paul Twitchell was peddling. And uh, those books are still available at their conferences. So yeah. So they are, by extension, literally peddling them. So I, I think... If you are in Ekankar, your valuation, especially if you take those kinds of words seriously, your valuation of reason and truth and evidence and all of that is going to be impinged. And so, yeah, I'll say seven. Cool. What about a pocket drainer value or one is something that's not at all pocket draining, like going to Descanso Gardens in La Cunata, beautiful botanical Lovely. garden. Oh, yeah. Uh, I believe it's $9. Whoa. Spend the whole afternoon there. Beautiful flowers. I was just there. It's lovely. Oh. Um, that's a one. Favorite hotspot of my family as well. Oh, okay. You know, I grew up right around there. Yeah. yeah. And then a 10 is something extremely pocket draining. Okay. Like trying to get a freaking Disney annual pass these days where it's like, I don't know, $800 million or whatever. Okay. So <laughs> on that scale, I don't get the immediate impression that Ekankar is out to bilk anybody. I mm-hmm. think you can do quite a bit within the religion without putting a significant amount of money down. Despite probably Paul Twitchell's intentions. Yeah. Something got away from him here. Yeah. It didn't have that runaway L. Ron Hubbard effect mm-hmm. where Scientology just turned into this money-making scheme. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, Ekankar is not doing that. So yeah, I'm going to give it low on that scale. I'll say three. Yeah. Th- there is money involved there. For sure. The fact that they do their... Attendance at their seminar by donation, I think, is pretty heartening. Yeah. I I mean, I gave them what they asked for, the suggested donation, but even that was, I mean, it's 200 bucks, which is a lot of money, but but for a conference in a hotel, Mm -hmm. it's like it's right there in the expected range, even on the low end of it. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. What'd you say? I said three. 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 Okay. Agree. Agree to three (laughs) agree. What would you give Ekankar on a danger rating where one is something not very dangerous, like staying in your house and watching Seinfeld? Whereas a 10 is uh, getting into a car just in general, but Mm -hmm. just to amp it up, let's say driving on the left side of the road in these United States of America. No, no, don't do that. So here are the things that I think are dangerous. Some of Paul Twitchell's original writings, but they're not that celebrated or distributed. Mm-hmm. But you can buy them at the conferences, and they're certainly touted as the truth. And then there's this principle that some people talk about, that the question of like, well, what if everyone did this? How would the world be? If Everybody took the attitude that the Ekkis take that basically knowledge is shit and we can't educate each other and we can't learn anything through collaborative science we would be super fucked. Mm, then it would mm-hmm. be extremely dangerous. It would be almost the most dangerous that something could be because it would ruin all human progress. But it's so contained and they're so not proselytizing. I'm like, that's just not going to happen. So it's not a real threat. Yeah. It's a hypothetical threat. Right. So with all those factors figured in, I'm going to give it a five. Okay. Yeah. I think if 
it had carried on more faithfully to the tradition that Paul Twitchell set down, yeah. Ekinkar could be very dangerous. Yeah. And I think we have Shree Harold Klemp to thank for it becoming this just very mild-mannered yeah. Midwest version of itself <laughs> that just is going to dwindle away into nothingness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. It's kind of denuded of that potential that it had for being a force of ill. So yeah, I don't see Ekinkar as that dangerous. I think Everybody within Ekengar that I've interacted with is a nice, pleasant, sweet person, mm-hmm. and they're not going to really hurt anybody. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say four. Yeah, okay. What about on a creepiness scale, where one is something that's just, it's not creepy, right? Like, um, you go on a train ride, and it's like a little warm in the train, but it's still pleasant, and you pass by a bunch of beautiful trees and shrubs and berry bushes and you can lean out and you can take a little berry off the bush and put it in your little mouth. Oh, sounds amazing. Yeah, really good. And then, but 10 is something extremely creepy. You get on a train and you're walking through the cars and you're like, God, this train's at 2 p.m. Why is there like no one here? And then finally you get to the final train car, the caboose. Mm-hmm. It's just filled with headless people, but they're all chatting. There's just no heads on them. What? That's a 10. Uh, that, well, that's creepy. I, boy, well, I mentioned that really creepy moment on the last day. There are little moments where they're trying to be sweet or, but at the same time, like a bit controlling that mm-hmm. come off as creepy to me. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of the, the mental world of, the call and these various levels of there's this whole soul travel aspect. I think that would be the other area with potential creepiness to it. Still, all that put together, I'm not too creeped out. Uh, yeah, there's just that moment in a room full of chanting people mm-hmm. and being guided where yeah. I can and cannot go. For that, I will give them a four. Okay. I was actually thinking four also. I think for me, part of it is aesthetics. There's something that's just sort of gotten in the cultural mind about what a cult looks like. Mm-hmm. It's like, lots of purple. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know, paintings of golden pyramids. You know, so yeah. it just sort of strikes this little, like, yeah, that recognition art, in my brain of, that like, art this gallery. is weird. Yeah, yeah. definitely uh, add some creepiness points. But, uh, you know, creepy is a visceral feeling for which there's kind of no accounting. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm going to give it a four. Okay. Hot drinks? Thumbs, Thumbs down. down. What the hell, Paul Twitchell? What the hell? You had me until that <laughs> moment. Ah, uh, cow drink. Then the whole thing fell apart. Uh, <laughs> fuck you. Hey, we wish all Ekis out there, well, a wonderful day. Yes. First of all. And a blessed. Blessed and, be. And may the blessings be. And we're uh, we're always interested to hear from you. But yeah, if you are with Ekinkar, we'd love to talk to you. Absolutely. If you're willing to have a, a cordial and productive conversation, we bear no ill will towards Ekinkar. No. Or anyone we've met within it. Yeah. And uh, jokingly taking Paul Twitchell to task, partly because he's dead. But um, yeah, I think that after his departure, things have even gone, you know, gone pretty well. So, so well I'd, done. I'd love to talk to those people. And we did get an email from a current Eckist who I think might be willing to talk to us. Oh, yeah, might maybe. Be, might be a backup. I mean, we'd, we'd rather hear from someone officially from the church, but maybe we'll talk to that person as well. Sweet. Who knows? The Mahanta knows. Touche. One other thing I have to note, Jerry Siegel 
one of the people we mentioned in a previous episode. Yes. So he, he really sweet, funny, nice guy. He led your comedy workshop. He led my comedy workshop, and then he was also on stage playing music a couple times. He wanted us to clarify, he's very sweet, that when he was talking about me coming out to New York, he was not suggesting that he would pay for my plane ticket. Okay. So this was an important note in his, in, in his estimation, so I wanted to deliver it. Okay, let the record show. <laughs> Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. You can find us on the internet. We are at facebook.com slash onrack, O-N-R-A-C. You can find pictures. You can find links. You can find so many things. We're on Twitter at Ono Podcast. You can find tweets. That's pretty much it because it's Twitter. We're at Maximum Fun. That's our podcast family where you can also support us. I know what you're thinking. I want them to pay to join more religions and try different alternative medical treatments. And, and go read a thousand pages for me. So if you want to do that, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate and support our investigation. Support what we do. Get a lot of bonus content. It's all good. And if you can't do that, how about you hop over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star review. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be mighty nice. That'd be so nice. Very nice. My That's wife. how Ella says, says very oh, okay. nice. She says very nice a lot. Nice. Yes, v- mommy, very good. Oh, no, you're right. She says very good. Very good. Very, very good, mommy, very good. <sighs> and remember. The Garden of Eden was laid on the lost continent of Lemuria. Oh, okay. Turns out not Jackson County, Missouri. Right. That's Mormon reference, Ross is my I can't hear myself, but I'm assuming These are real podcast listeners, not actors. uh, Hey, thanks for coming. Here's a list of descriptors. What would you choose to describe the perfect podcast? I mean, vulgarity. Dumb. Definitely dumb. And like, uh, right here, this one, meritless. What if I told you there was a podcast that did have all of that? No. Jordan Jesse Go. And it's free. Jordan Jesse Go? Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go. A real podcast. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.